Welcome to Find Myself Free, the podcast. I'm Ellie Young, alcohol-free life coach, mom, and athlete. I'm dedicated to helping others change their relationship to alcohol by sharing my journey of transformation. Fascinated by my own capacity for change after decades of gray area drinking, I'm passionate about sharing what I've learned from neuroscience and positive psychology to help you break free from the drinking cycle and unlock your true potential. Hear my personal stories of triumph and struggle as I navigate raising two boys, finding myself after 40, building a business, and doing it all alcohol-free. From women's health and cycle syncing to fasting and biohacking, this podcast is your roadmap to a healthier, purpose-filled life that starts with changing your relationship to alcohol. It's time to embrace change, find balance, and create the life you were meant for. Welcome to Find Myself Free. What's up, everybody? I'm Ellie Young. It is day 11 of Sober October. Welcome to Find Myself Free. This is where I help you guys break your habits around drinking alcohol and help you break free. And today we're going to be talking about the psychology of change. So I've always been incredibly curious about why I was able to change when I did. Um, I had been wanting to change my relationship to alcohol for a really long time, but I had no capacity for for doing it. Um, and it wasn't until January, dry January of, of 2021 was when I finally made some huge leaps in my brain and I was able to change. So I wanted to share with you because I learned a lot of this stuff after the fact, after I had already gone through it. And so my goal here in sharing all of this with you today is that you will be able to learn the psychology of change, identify what phase you are in so that you can um, help yourself move into that next phase. So to help yourself kind of progress through these things. Um, because when I, I, when I did it, I wasn't aware, but if I had known these things, I could have probably moved through these phases a little quicker and with a little more, you know, effectiveness without, without the ups and downs of like trying to quit alcohol and then failing and shaming myself and, you know, wondering what was wrong with me and then trying again and then failing again. So this, um, method goes hand in hand with the thought work we do about identifying the thoughts about alcohol that are keeping you stuck in the drinking cycle and, replacing those with new thoughts that better serve you. So the one thing that we should keep in mind through all of this, you know, kind of the different states of change is always be assessing your readiness. And this is something, it's just a quick little run through five criteria of how ready you are for change. One of them is the first one is it has to be for you first. You have to be approaching this change for you first. Yes, it's going to benefit every single person in your life that you come in contact with, but you have to be doing this for you. It's that whole idea of putting on your oxygen mask first. Um, number two, the change has to be up to you. So no one is going to do this for you. You have to uh, be approaching this change going, I have to do this myself. All right. You can get help with a coach. You can get help from friends and stuff, but when a push comes to shove, it's up to you to do this change. <clears throat> Number three, the change has to be urgent. And this is an interesting one because people are like, what do you mean by urgent? And it's like, you have to be unwilling to spend another day the way you've been living. And this sometimes can mean 
it's caused some pain in your life and you're like, I don't want to feel this way ever, ever, ever again. Hangovers can do that to people. People always make a lot of promises when they're hungover, like I will never, ever drink again. So holding on to that idea, this urgency that like, <clears throat> it, I never want to do this again. I am so ready to level up my life. I'm so ready to change. You have to want it more than you fear giving it up. And that's what that urgency is. Um, number four, the change has to be necessary. It, I consider giving up alcohol now a prerequisite to getting the life that I've always dreamed of. Um, removing alcohol was completely necessary. I couldn't have grown. I couldn't have progressed in the way that I did if alcohol was still a part of my life. So this change has to be necessary. You have to, you have to need to do it now. And then the last one is you have to believe in yourself. You actually have to believe that it's possible. All right. Hope is what is going to pull you forward in this process. If you are constantly living in the past and saying, I can't change, look at me, look at all the things I've done, look at how I've always struck, and you're focused on your past, it's impossible to move forward. You have to believe that it's possible for you to change, and you have to let you have to focus on that future self and let that future pull you forward. All right. Belief in the possibility is incredibly important. So that's the five criteria for like assessing your readiness. And now we get into like the different stages of change that you could possibly be in. So number one is called the pre-contemplation phase. This is also considered the like lack of awareness phase. If a lot of people are in this phase, if they are unaware that there is even a problem with their drinking. A lot of people are just like, I'm having a good time. I get hungover. I'm not correlating any issues in my life that are bad with my drinking. I'm just blissfully unaware that, you know, everything is good to go. So that's that kind of pre-contemplation phase. There's an ignorance of the problem. And, um, and there's kind of a denial that there is a problem. Like, no, like I, you know, only people who have a problem with alcohol have to have to stop. I don't have a problem. Like that's those other people over there. So there's a lot of denial going on. If you're kind of in this phase where you're like, why, why should I have to drink? I don't think I have, I mean, stop drinking. Why? Then some strategies you can use to kind of push yourself out of this phase, out of the pre-contemplation phase into the contemplation phase is to kind of rethink the behavior and investigate it, question it. Like what would have to happen usually it's a bad thing in order for me to assess, like, take a look at this and go like, would it have to be a DUI? Would it have to be like, you know, I wasn't able to go to work that day. Would it have to be me being really, really drunk in front of my kids? What would it have to be for you to really look at your drinking and say, okay, this, this needs, this needs to change. All right. So that is one way you can start to like kind of motivate yourself out of the pre-contemplation phase and into the contemplation phase. So Contemplation phase, this is kind of marked by you're now aware that mm, this is an issue. I should probably do something about it, but you're still unconscious about how you need to change. There's a lot of ambivalence here. There's a lot of like, yeah, I should probably stop drinking, but is it really worth it? It starts to feel like such a sacrifice and it doesn't feel worth it. You feel like it's too much fun. It provides me all these things. How could I ever give up drinking? Even though I know I should, even though I know it would be healthier for me. So there's this kind of the ambivalence. And right then you kind of start to assess these kind of pros and cons and you're like, well, it's not really worth it. So, and and you can't really, a lot of people get stuck in this phase for a super, super long time because they don't have any new information that is going to start to weigh on that side of being like, no, actually 
this, this needs to change. Um, so you can start to kind of, to get out of this phase, um, you need to confer- confirm your readiness again, assess those readiness, qual- you know, characteristics, and then also assess like, what are the barriers to me changing? Like, what environments am I putting myself in that are really preventing me from living my life in any other way? Like, are you showing up at the same places with the same people to do this type of behavior that you're trying to change? It's nearly impossible to change yourself if you are going into environments where everybody else is doing that thing that you're trying to stop doing. Um, and again, this is only temporary. You don't need to stop hanging out with these people or stop going to these places permanently, but you do need to dial it back when you are when you are trying to change yourself, okay? We are shaped by our environments. So if you are putting yourself in a drinking environment, it is gonna shape you into a drinker. That's just how it is. We are the result of the people we hang out with and the places we go to. So how are you, you know, shaping the environments that you're in? So um, the next, um, another kind of strategy here to kind of move out of this phase into an actual preparation phase is to focus on the why you want to change. Like, who are you doing this for? And what are the benefits that you know you're going to get from, from cutting alcohol out? So instead of focusing on, oh man, I can't give it up because X, Y, and Z, it does all these things to me. I want you to shift your mindset and start focusing on all that you have to gain, all right? Shifting into being like, my health is going to improve drastically, my sleep, my gut health, my hormonal health, my relationships, the way my kids see me, all of that is start to, will start to improve. My ability to, to follow through with my workouts. If you have a career or, or some sort of dream that you're after, all of those things will improve when alcohol is no longer in the picture. So focusing on all of those benefits is going to help you move out of this kind of pre this contemplation phase. Like, ah, should I, should I try to change my drinking? I don't know into, yes, I'm ready to change my drinking. Um, so the next phase is the preparation phase. This is when you are like, you're aware that you want to change and you're consciously taking action now into preparing yourself for this type of change. This is where you start experimenting with like little small changes. Maybe you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm not gonna drink Monday through Friday, and I'm gonna buy some non-alcoholic beverages, and I'm gonna read this book. So you start kind of changing your environment. You're changing your internal environment, and you're changing your physical environment. Maybe you're like, maybe I'm not gonna go to the bar on Friday night. I'm gonna go to this yoga class instead, and maybe I'm gonna download that Quitlet book that someone recommended to me. Which for me, the very first one I read is called Quit Like a Woman, Game Changer changed my life, really set in motion um, the change that I was about to start on. And the next one I read was This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And that one sealed the deal for me. It's why I'm here today. Um, And again, this is now that I look back and I start to recognize what phases I was in at different parts of my journey. I'm like, okay, when I was in the preparation phase, I actually, I was reading these books and I was still drinking. I had attempted dry January and I only made it the first five days like of the week. And then once that weekend came around, I talked myself into drinking. I thought it was okay. But this, these books, this information was in my head and it was, I was starting to experiment with it. And I was starting to be more mindful of my drinking. I was starting to say, okay, man, I tried to do moderation. I said, okay, I'm not going to drink hard liquor on the weekends. I'm just going to have two glasses of wine. For some reason, wine to me was like a step down. To me, it seemed one, more sophisticated, more classy, more 
um, acceptable for a mom to have a glass of wine than it is for her to walk around with cocktails, which is what I like to do, tequila and rum. I was a bit of a pirate. Um, so I thought, oh, I'm going to step it down to this wine. But I, and what I ended up doing is counting my drinks. I had my two. I drank them really fast. And then I was done. And I wasted all my brain space thinking about that next drink that I couldn't have. And it kind of ruined the entire night for me. And I got to a point then, after experimenting like this a couple times, trying to moderate, I was like, it's actually a lot easier to not drink at all than it is to try and measure and only have the two drinks. Because once that alcohol was in my system, it took me up and then it took me down and it created a craving for that next one. And then I couldn't have it. And it actually left me lower than where I started. So this kind of mindful experimentation in the preparation phase for the real change that you're about to embrace, this this is is helpful. So you start to make a plan and you start to uh, like get the information that is going to lead to your transformation. So this phase is where I recommend getting a coach because you're you have what you want in grasp. You have the idea of where you want to go in sight, but you're still not sure how to get there. This is when I hired a coach and this is, I worked with them for four months because I knew I didn't want to drink again. I hadn't been able to do it fully. I was had maybe a couple weeks under my belt when, I don't even think I had that. I maybe had like two weeks under my belt when I decided I'm hiring a coach. I'm dead serious about this. I want, I want to invest in myself at this phase and, and make this real and make it real. And I, I didn't go into it knowing I wasn't ever going to drink again. I went into it thinking, I just don't want to feel the way I feel when I'm trying not to drink, which was like feeling deprived and feeling like this isn't fun anymore. Like, how do I have fun again while I'm not drinking? And it took me, you know, talking to this person who had been where I had been and who had information. And I got to go back and and recondition myself over and over and over again to the point where I was like, this life is better. This feels really, really good. Um, and then I was able to start really putting this change into action. That's the fourth stage. And this is where you are taking direct, intentional action towards that type of change. This is where you are literally starting to change your life. You're like, I don't do that thing anymore. I do this now instead. And I wake up and I set, I have an intentional daily ritual to set myself up for success so that I stay above that 50% line and I don't get to a place where I feel like I need to cope with alcohol. And so that is where real intentional action starts taking place. And then you design your nightly ritual and you're like, these are the things I'm going to do at night now instead of drink. And if the thoughts come up as they will, that say, that try and start talking you in to that alcohol, this is what I'm going to do instead. Okay, you have the plan, you have the implementation um, intention all ready to go. You say, if this happens, this is what I'm going to do instead, because you know it will happen. You know the craving will come up. You know the cue will be there because unfortunately our world is just completely surrounded by alcohol. Your relationships, the places you go, the things we do, everything, um, alcohol is everywhere. And so you're going to be confronted with it and you have to have a plan. So this phase is all about being incredibly intentional about 
creating the environments both up here and internally and externally to shape yourself into the non-drinker that you are and to do it in a way that you're thriving, not in a way that you are depriving yourself. And that comes from the thought work. You are changing the thoughts that make you believe you need alcohol to enjoy your life or believe you need alcohol to relax. And instead, you are replacing it with thoughts that are, are, I don't reward myself with a toxin anymore. I reward myself with a pedicure on a Friday night. I don't reward myself with something that completely wrecks my sleep. I reward myself with the most glorious baby-like sleep of my entire life by designing a night nightly ritual with yoga and candles and a bath and a delicious meal and good smells, all these things to make my nighttime and my sleep incredible. And if you've ever woken up after the most restful sleep of your life, once, you, once you've accrued enough non-drinking days, it will change your life. You will be like, whoa, I had no idea I could even feel like this. This is what my body has been missing for decades, real restorative sleep. And then you're going to get really like particular about your sleep. You're like, I want to go to bed early. I want more of this glorious sleep. I, I invested in a cooling mattress to, to make my sleep even better. I invested in the weighted blankets because I love my sleep now. And I wake up early because I'm so rested. My body is like, that's all I need. I got enough incredible sleep and I'm up now and I feel amazing. All right. I want this for you. This is one of the best perks of going alcohol free is, is incredible, incredible sleep. So after you get to the action phase, and I should note that a lot of people, when they approach change, they try to jump right into this action phase and skip, excuse me, the other phases, the pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, they try to jump right into action and start changing their behavior without changing anything else. All right. And that is where you end up relying on willpower. And it is incredibly frustrating and incredibly, it's like a shame cycle because you're trying to change yourself, but you didn't do any work on any of the other things that affect your behavior, which is your thoughts, which is your emotions. And so you're showing up the same exact way and just trying to stop the train in motion without all of the other stuff that's behind it going, no, you didn't stop any of this stuff. You didn't stop the thoughts. You didn't stop the emotions. You're just trying to like put a roadblock here now. And that is a painful place to be. So it's really important to assess where you are in this different phases of change and then say, how do I get from this phase to the next one? And you can't skip a step, but you can age yourself here by working on the thoughts and then you start to replace those thoughts the thoughts that are coming up that are triggering you to drink you start to replace those with thoughts that actually serve you and then you see you feel differently and then you start to behave differently it's like magic it all starts up here with your thoughts after you've been doing this successfully for a while you get into what's called the maintenance phase and that's where you don't even really have to think about it anymore you are no longer aware. Um, you are actually going back into the unaware thing because it's it becomes like second nature, this ability to not drink and not even think about not drinking. You go out. I mean, people are so like, whoa, you, like, you can go out now and like hang out. And people are, and I'm like, I have no desire to drink. 
just like I'm trying to think of something I don't like. It would be like, hey, I don't I don't really like um peas. My husband's always trying to get me to eat peas, and for some reason I just don't like them. And you know, someone's like, Whoa, you don't eat peas? How come you don't want to eat peas? And it's like I have I have no desire to eat peas. Like I have no desire to drink alcohol. It's not a can you take it or leave it thing. It's literally like there's no desire. So there's no there's no struggle inside of me. It feels really easy to just say, no thanks. And it's not awkward anymore. And this is the maintenance phase. And it's actually, it, you get there sooner than you think. Um, and there's the awkwardness that you might feel early on isn't really um, about you. It's kind of your experience with other people because other people are going to ask strange questions. Other people are going to say the wrong thing. And all of that, you need to know is not about you. It's about them. And so a lot of that awkwardness, you kind of learn, it goes away. It starts to get easier and more comfortable. And um, people, you know, the genuine people who are really curious about it and want to talk about it, and you can maybe, again, hold the torch for them and show them like, hey, this is, this is the way I live my life. I would never push it on you. But if you want to, if you want to look at what I'm doing over here and see how great it is, then yeah, by all means, check it out. Because I feel amazing. And <clears throat> I was the last person that anyone would have thought to go alcohol free. I was the biggest partier of all my friends. Out of all the families, we hosted the most parties. And <clears throat> it was a shock to most people that I that I gave up alcohol when I did. I think I hid it really well what um my struggle was and just how much it was it was kind of hurting me and made me feel terrible. Um, and so when I quit kind of in dramatic fashion, right before my 40th birthday, where I was supposed to go on a huge 40th birthday party trip to Cabo and stay in a friend's mansion because four or five of us girls were all turning 40 within the same couple of months. And I pulled myself from that trip and everybody was shocked and kind of offended because they wanted to know, like, how can you never told us, you know, we didn't know you had a problem, you know. Everyone also wanted to use me. They wanted to know if I had a rock bottom or had some sort of moment, defining moment that really was like, I could never do this again. And really, it, there was no defining moment other than the pain of like looking at myself every day and going, this is not who I am. This is not who I want to be for the next decade of my life. The 40th birthday looming was definitely one of those kind of like, okay, what is going what is the next 10 years going to look like is it going to be the same where i just keep showing up at the same places and drinking the same thing and kind of feeling like shit every morning and then trying to work it all off and sweat and try to not age and try to not you know look like hell every day um that just did not sound appealing to me and but i had no idea that living alcohol free could be as incredible as it is everyone believes you're sacrificing so much because it is tied. We have it is tied to all these decade-old beliefs that make us think that alcohol is so necessary for our fun, so necessary for our stress. And and the fact of the matter is, it's not. We are just incredibly out of practice doing anything without alcohol. And once you give yourself enough of a break, that's what Sober October is designed to do: is to just give you perspective. Nobody's saying you have to give up alcohol forever, but just give it up long enough. So you can start to feel good again. You can start to feel the difference because most of us, we've been drinking since our teens and it's only gone, gone up and up and up and up. And 
when you give yourself that break long enough for the awkwardness to wear wear down and for you to get kind of homeostasis again, you're like, holy smokes, I feel so much better. I had no idea that middle-aged life, I could wake up feeling rested. I could not have bags under my eyes. I could, my skin could feel hydrated. I could have energy to keep up with my kids, to do the workouts I want to do, to run my business and, and feel good. And we are drinking. It's so ironic. We drink to try and combat so much of our stress and we give it so much credit for so much of the fun we want to have in life. But in the end, like it takes this perspective to realize just how much it was like it was actually working against you in so many different ways. And um, me being able to kind of look at the science now and understand it a little bit better and understand how I was able to go through these different phases of change and get to a place where I am alcohol free. And I feel um, I feel so good that all I want to do is share it with everybody I want to kind of shout it from the rooftops because I feel like it's the best kept secret, especially for women, especially because we have been targeted by the alcohol industry as like, we are the decision makers. We are the ones that they want to go after. And they've tied it to our liberation. They've tied it to our empowerment saying, you, you're a mom. You need this alcohol to get through. You deserve a girl's night out. You deserve it. And it's hurting us. It is sabotaging us. You know what the mom needs? She does not need to go out with her girlfriends and get shit-faced and then have to wake up and do the mom job the next day of being hungover and tired and sick. She needs some real self-care. Yes, she needs friends. She needs connection. She needs support. She needs love. But she doesn't need all of that tied to in a, a toxin. There is so many other ways she can take care of herself and get what she needs without alcohol, without something that is really going to only compound any issue she's having in her life. <clears throat> so thank you all for tuning in today. I wanted to touch base on a couple things with Sober October. If you guys are not um, doing my Sober October yet, you can click the link in my bio and it'll take you to a free sign up link. You just pop in your email there and, and I will start emailing you all of the exclusive coaching videos that I'm sending out to my community, as well as um, a Zoom link to my Friday coaching calls. That's where um, you can have a chance to connect with me live and, and answer any questions. So email me anything, any issues, any thoughts that keep coming up that have you stuck in the drinking cycle. I would love to work on them with you and to help you progress through these different phases of change and get you to where you want to go because the life you were meant for it is waiting for you and it's literally can be as simple as just cutting the alcohol tonight and to continue to cut it and see where that takes you it is worth it it is worth experimenting you've been a drinker you've done that for decades what's on the other side aren't you curious aren't you curious like to find out how much better you can feel and just how many ways it was holding you back. Let me speak from someone who's been there now. It's the best move I've ever made. It's the best thing I've ever done for my family. And I wish I would have done it sooner. So thank you for joining me today. And I hope to see you soon. Hey team, you've just listened to an episode of Find Myself Free. And if some part of this left you wanting more, 
If your curiosity has been piqued and your intuition is telling you, I'm ready for more, I'm ready to look at my relationship to alcohol and find out just how much it's holding me back, then check out my coaching offers at findmyselffree.com. I offer the Brave course to kickstart your break on your own time, or you can hop on a call with me and talk about one-on-one coaching. I worked with a coach for four months at the start of my alcohol-free journey, and it made all the difference. Being able to talk to someone who knew what I was going through and could help me navigate my new world gave me a foundation of support I could build on. And it's a big reason why I'm a coach today. I want to help others find their freedom and level up their health. As always, if you like this episode, please like, follow, and share. And until next time, I'm with you. You got this.